Bibles and turn to John 13. John chapter 13. As we continue to look at this upper room discourse between Jesus and his disciples. John chapter 13. The message I want to share with you today is really an extension of the sermon from two weeks ago uh, entitled The Apron of Humility, and you're going to see why here in a bit. But for right now, I want you to follow as I read verses 12 to 17, continuing here in the narrative. So when he, that is Jesus, had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. And may God add his blessing to the reading of that portion of Scripture. As I said last week, verse 12 picks up where verse 5 leads off. It says there in verse 5, Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. But also, as we observe from the verses in between, verses 6 to 11, they are Jesus' account with Peter in the process of washing the disciples' feet, where he taught the importance of spiritual cleansing. However, that is secondary to the primary lesson that Jesus wanted to convey, which is captured there in verse 14. It says, if I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. It really comes down to this, following Jesus. Following Jesus. And so is this what you are about, beloved? Are you about following Jesus? Today there is lots of talk in Christian circles about this subject. And it's a very noble discussion, following Jesus. But how good are God's people at doing it? (laughs) Yeah, how good are we at doing it? This is a real soul-searching question. A question that I have been asking myself all week long. How good... Our God's people, how good is Kirk at following Jesus? Well, today, I want to share with you three truths, three truths about following Jesus. And I trust that it will help encourage you to put walk to your talk. (laughs) Because we do talk a lot about following Jesus. But I want to encourage you this morning through these three truths to put walk to that talk. And the first truth is captured there in verses 12 to 14. Follow with me as again I read. So when he had washed their feet 
and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? (laughs) Of course they did. (laughs) He just washed their feet. But they are short on the intake as to the primary lesson that Jesus wanted to teach them. And so he goes on and says, you call me teacher and Lord and you are right for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. What do you notice here? What's a truth that we can grasp from verses 12 to 14? It's this. Following Jesus is because of His Lordship. Following Jesus is because of His Lordship. As you can see here, there are two key words used twice by Jesus. You call me what? Teacher and Lord. Literally, the Greek says, the teacher and the Lord. As we see it there in verse 14. You see, there were teachers, rabbis, and lords, masters in those days. Just as there are in our day. Right? Sure. But Jesus was and is the supreme divine master who brought, who brings truth to our hearts. Amen and amen. This here was speaking to his deity, which the disciples recognized and they did acknowledge. And he commended them for it because he says that at the end of verse 13. And you are right for so I am. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the scripture reading last week from Matthew chapter 16. Where... Jesus asked his disciples, but who do you say that I am? And Peter very quickly on behalf of them all said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded back to him saying, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. These disciples knew who Jesus was. And so he commended them. For it. But with that, there were implications revealed there in verse 14. Once again, if I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Essentially, he was saying, since I am your master, you do what I do, follow me. <laughs> Now, I have to acknowledge there are some details I am leaving out, which I'm going to come back to here shortly. But this is the core. Since Jesus is our master, you do what he does. You follow him. And so, beloved, is this your heart? To follow Jesus. It should be. I follow Jesus because he is my Lord. Yeah. That should be our heart's cry. What started at salvation carries on in your walk with the Lord. You might say, what do you mean by that, Pastor? You know Romans 10, 9, very familiar with it. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord... 
and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. When we believe on Christ, we are committing our hearts to him as Lord. But that continues on in our walk with the Lord, in our sanctification. I mean, Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? And so our Christian lives are about following our Lord. This is a simple concept. It's foundational to Christianity, and it needs to be realized, embraced, and exercised. It's almost as though Christians today look at it as an option, and it's not. We have lovingly committed ourselves to the Lord in salvation, and so we follow Him in our everyday lives. Indeed, this is foundational to our Christian walk how many of you have watched that Western movie, Conagher? Okay, yeah, starring Sam Elliott. I see, <laughs> see Ken back there. Yes, I have. Yeah. But the rest of you haven't. What's your problem? <laughs> it's a great movie. I know it's a Western and you ladies think, oh, I don't watch Westerns. But you know, there's a little bit of romance in there too, you know. Yeah, Catherine Ross, she's, she co-stars in this movie. But there's a scene in this movie that I really like that captures this point right here. There was a rancher whom Conagher, which is Sam Elliott, worked for. And this rancher was concerned that Conagher would just leave him high and dry and steal his cattle like some of the other cowboys that he had hired. And he's sitting on his horse. And he kind of trots up to him and looks him straight in the eye. And he says, if I take a man's money, I ride for the brand. Yeah, if I take a man's money, I ride for the brand. Well, as Christians, we have been bought with a price, haven't we? The blood of Jesus, we've been bought with a price. And so therefore we, so to speak, ride for him. Don't we? Yes, we sure do. And so following Jesus is because of his lordship. That is the first concept, the first truth that we should embrace in this text as Jesus is speaking to these disciples. But it brings us to another truth. Again, I want to read verse 14 along with 15 and 16 because there's something else here I want to touch on. Read with me. As he continues on, if I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. What is further stressed here, especially in verse 14 and carried on into verses 15 and 16? It's this, following Jesus is about humble service. Following Jesus is about humble service. What did Jesus do here? What did he do? He washed the disciples' feet, right? It states that two or three times in this passage of Scripture. 
Going back as far as verse 5. This was a very dirty job. (laughs) Usually done by Gentile servants. And here he called for them to follow his example. As verse 16 points out, the slave is not greater than his master. And so if Jesus, the master, did not think it beneath him to do such a service, by no means should they think it beneath them to serve others in the same way. You see, what led to this event was the disciples' dispute that evening over who was the greatest. Remember me mentioning that a couple of weeks ago? Go with me back to Luke. John does not record this, but Luke does. Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. And I want to read verses 24 to 27. That's the beauty of the Gospels. You can harmonize them. What one writer did not acknowledge, the other one did. And so you get a full picture about what was going on that night. Well, this is something that John did not record, but Luke did. And it says in verse 24 of that very night, in Luke 22, And there arose also a dispute among them as to which of them was regarded to be the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. The one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest and a leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. And so this foot washing demonstration by Jesus was to convey to them that those greatest in the Lord's work are servants. It is the primary theme of this passage. Serving Christ is serving others. Now, I think it's important to understand that Jesus was not calling here for some ordinance to be instituted. You see, that foot washing that Jesus did was just the means he used to teach the lesson of humble service. However, let me say this at the same time. If a situation calls for such in the Lord's work, then God's people are to do it. Right? Right? Well, he was awfully quiet there for a moment, you know. Now, I said in the first service, uh, Pastor Brian was there in the front row, and I said, well, that doesn't mean that he could just come over his my house this afternoon and wave his feet and twiddle his toes and say, Kirk, clean out that creeping crud. But let me say this. Are you willing to follow Jesus no matter how lowly that may be? Huh? Look with me at those words once again from our scripture reading in Philippians 2. Let's go there. Philippians chapter 2, holding your space in John 13. Philippians chapter 2. 
such a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. It just leaves us with no excuses in our ministry as individuals. Beginning with verse 3 through verse 8, Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Again, Mark 10.45, I've been emphasizing that verse over and over again. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark 10 and verse 45. This is to be your attitude, to give your lives in service to others. In fact, given the context of Jesus' discussion with Peter on spiritual cleansing there in verses 6 to 11. I believe that one practical way of serving others is helping to restore them when they fall into sin. That can get very dirty. <laughs> it can. You might say, well, that's just for pastors. Uh-uh. It's not just for pastors. Listen to these words from Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brethren... Not pastors, brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah, that's one practical way that we can serve others is helping to restore them when they fall into sin. David McCaslin shared this story, which I believe captures the theme of this passage. He wrote, as a memento of a retreat I attended, I was given a small towel with a hand-stitched design symbolizing Jesus' washing his disciples' feet. The towel served mostly as a decoration for a few years until one of my daughters accidentally used it to clean the car. The commemorative towel has been scrubbed with stain remover and sent through the washer, but it's indelibly marked by grease and grime. At first, I was miffed at having my memento used to wash hubcats and bumpers. But then I began to see that towel as a picture of myself And it caused me to ask some questions, good questions. When it comes to serving others, do I reserve myself for special occasions instead of doing an ordinary job today? When Jesus washed and wiped his disciples' feet, didn't his towel get dirty? What's a towel for? Decoration or demonstration? He went on to say this, my little towel now serves as a reminder that self-preservation will keep me untouched but completely useless 
in my service for Christ. Real servants get dirty every day. Yeah, absolutely. And so following Jesus is about humble service. That's a truth that needs to be fixed in your heart. My heart. It is the main theme of this passage of Scripture. Jesus was telling his disciples, serving me is serving others. You want to be great in God's work? Then serve others as I have served you. Finally, to one other truth. There in verse 17, as he goes on and says this. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. What do you see? What do you clearly see here? Following Jesus is knowing his blessing. Yes. It's knowing his blessing. That's what the text says here, right? Yeah. Very clear. The word for blessing is the same as that in the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, 1 to 12. It's a part of the Sermon on the Mount. It speaks to happiness of soul. Happiness of soul through being and living out what God desires. As Jesus pointed out to his disciples, it wasn't enough for them to hear and to know what he said, but to do the things he said. Which were recorded there in verses 14 to 16, the previous verses. You know, this matter of blessing in obedience is reinforced throughout Scripture. Listen to some of these verses. Psalm 119, verse 1. I've been sending out that verse to many of you in your Christmas and your birthday cards. But it says this. How blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Jesus said in Luke 11, verse 28, On the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. And this is my favorite, James 1 and verse 25. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, in other words, the word of God, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. And those are only a few verses. God's blessing upon the obedient. Yes, doing what Jesus did. I'm sure as Christians, beloved, you want to know true happiness. Do you not? Sure you do. I do. Well, then what? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Indeed, this is where you will prosper spiritually and have his favor. I was just so encouraged yesterday meeting with a group of men. We're doing some theology training. And one of them shared a testimony at the end in light of what we were studying. And he says, you know, the Lord has just been working in my heart through Joshua 1.8. I could, I, could, uh, I could understand what he was saying because that's my life verse. Where it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but that you shall meditate in it day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall 
make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. I don't think there's a person around here that doesn't want to be prosperous, successful, as God sees it. That's true happiness. It comes simply by meditating upon God's Word and living it out in our everyday lives. Yeah, that's the wisdom that God offers us. W.B. Riley used to tell the story of a man who had walked the streets of Philadelphia searching for employment. One day he happened to go into the office of a very well-known businessman by the name of Gerard. When he asked for a job, Mr. Gerard answered, Yes, I can give you work. See that pile of bricks out there? Carry them over to the other end of the yard and stack them up. By nightfall, the man reported that the project was completed and received his pay. When asked if there would be more work the next day, his employer said, Yes, come in tomorrow and carry those same bricks back to where you found them. The following morning, he came in earlier, got busy without a word. For more than a week, he was instructed to carry bricks back and forth until it was evident that he could be trusted to do exactly what he was told. I think after a couple of days, I went, so what's this all about? Then he was given a new and bigger responsibility to go downtown and bid on a large quantity of sugar. Not recognizing him, the people at the auction were surprised by the bid of this total stranger. When it was accepted, the auctioneer asked who would pay the bill. Mr. Gerard, the man replied, I am his agent. He had earned this position by being faithful in a menial task. Yeah. You could say he had come to know the favor of his employer and found happiness in his work. He did. You know, so many times God's people see things beneath them in the work of the Lord. I know I have. I acknowledge that. And think it's for others. But that is what receives God's blessing. And it does time and time again. And so may you be found faithful no matter how lowly that work may be. In fact, just remember the truth of Christ's humiliation and exaltation. I can't tell you how many times the truth of Philippians 2 comes to my mind in those moments. Thinking of Christ leaving the realms of glory to take on humanity. That's a humility that you and I can't even understand. But then he took it further. He humbled himself in his humility by not only taking on humanity, but dying our death, the death of the cross. He became lower than us. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Oh, how that truth penetrates homes, penetrates lives, brings about humility. And where there's conflict, peace comes about. Oh, may that truth get fixed in your heart, my heart, in the work of the Lord, in our service to our family members at home for God's glory. I trust that you have been inspired today by the example of Jesus. I know I have all week long just thinking about these truths. To put walk to your talk 
in following him. As we consider today, it's because he is, first of all, our Lord. That's why we do it. And when we talk about following Jesus, let us remember it's about humble service. Those great in the Lord's work are servants. And it all leads to blessing, true happiness. Which you said this morning, I said, yeah, that's what I want to know, is true happiness. Well, you have the recipe for it right here in Jesus' example. As the Apostle John said later in his first epistle, these words, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's a good truth to leave with you this morning. May that be true of you as you walk from here and as you serve others for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and God, even though this message was short this morning, these truths are wonderful. We've heard them before, maybe just in a different setting, but they're so important. God, may we remember that you are our Lord and Master. God, we confessed your name at salvation, and now, as we cry out your name, may we follow you. May we realize that serving you is serving others. That's what it's about. And it all leads to blessing, happiness of soul, knowing your favor. Oh God, may that be true of us, not just today, but throughout this week. Keep these truths on our mind so that, Lord, we please you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.